I've been following Jason's company ever since 2007. I went through a seminar in his uh, Newport Beach office by Fashion Island. And I've been listening to his, all his podcasts since then. Always wanted to buy some more, but a couple years ago, we went on the property tour in Cincinnati. And it was great. We actually sold our Texas property and did a 1031 exchange in uh, Hamilton, Ohio. And, it was, and they've been working out great for us ever since. This just in 2017, yeah, last year, we uh, sold our home in Chino Hills that we lived in for 25 years, raised our family and all that. We're taking all our proceeds and we're going all in on rental properties. And the funny thing is, we're kind of following Jason's lesson to the T and it's working out great for us. We're not gonna buy again in California. We're renting actually in Newport Beach, California. I got into real estate investing because I've been a student of the stock market for years and years and it just doesn't seem to make sense to me anymore. Besides what Jason says, it just, it just seems like the guys at the top make sure that they win and you don't win, which, you know, it's just, I feel the same way even before Jason said that. And the fundamentals don't seem to make sense to me, but there are fundamentals in real estate and income property investing that aren't going to be able to be changed by high frequency investors or anything like that. The fundamentals are there and they're going to stay there. I'm fine with income properties, you know, the slow and steady approach. Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show with Jason Hartman. You're about to learn a new slant on investing, some exciting techniques, and fresh new approaches to the world's most historically proven asset class that will enable you to create more wealth and freedom than you ever thought possible. Jason is a genuine, self-made multimillionaire who's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor, lender, developer, and entrepreneur who's owned properties in 11 states, had hundreds of tenants and been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to your financial independence day. You really can do it. And now, here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors. Welcome to episode number 1231230. This is your host, Jason Hartman. Thank you for joining me today. And I'm coming to you today from the windy Baltic Sea. It is very windy out here. And on the uh, ship's monitor, it says that the waves are 8.2 feet. Now, they don't look that big from way up here, but I suppose if we were to go down at the water level on the ship and look out one of the portholes there, those waves would look a lot bigger than they are here. But it is windy. I don't know if you can hear the wind or hear the swells. It's chilly and brisk. Carmen, you know, have you worn shorts on this trip at all? I brought a whole bunch of shorts with me, and I haven't worn any shorts. I did wear my shorts for 30 minutes and then changed immediately. <laughs> it's You know, we wanted to do, last year we were in Europe. We went to a yacht week in Croatia. We chartered a little yacht and cruised around. And then we went to Italy together and then split up and went our separate ways. I went to Germany and you went to Spain. And uh, and that was just about a year ago. Yeah. So it's, it's almost exactly a year. One of our complaints was that it was too hot. So when we came to Europe this year, we came up to Scandinavia thinking, you know, it'll be a nice temperature. And it's actually quite chilly. It is kind of cold. And the, the wind is so strong that, you know, there's no way you can wear shorts or swimming suits in this trip. 
Yeah, I hope uh, somewhere on the rest of this trip I get to use my shorts. We recently left St. Petersburg, Russia. It was my second time there, your first time there. And I also have been on another Russia trip to Moscow as well. Now, one of the things, I am St. Petersburg is just a jewel. It's a stunning, beautiful city. And you took a lot of pictures. What did you think? Well, I think if I have to sum it up with one word, it would be opulence. I have not seen so much gold and, you know, buildings and cathedrals. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It was definitely it was more than I was expecting. It is beautiful for sure, but uh, it's a big city. There's a lot going on and you can see a lot of the history just walking on the streets. It's amazing. I highly recommend that our listeners visit Russia. Uh, that is a super fascinating place. And by the way, speaking of fascinating places, I should mention, because I don't think I've mentioned on the podcast yet, several of you emailed me after the feds changed the Cuba travel guidelines and said that the cruise ships can no longer go to Cuba. So we were very saddened about that because we have a Venture Alliance trip that we had planned. Of course, you heard me talking about that to go to Cuba. And then I just read an article that Russian battleships are in the cruise ship port in Havana, Cuba. So I don't know. I'm hoping another Cold War isn't starting again. But uh, hey, who knows? It's kind of a crazy time in the world with what's going on geopolitically. Looks pretty good with North Korea, but with Russia and I don't know, it's just uh, and Iran, you know, there's some crazy stuff happening out there. Uh, so we will uh, talk about how that impacts the economy and the markets, of course, along the way as things progress. Back to St. Petersburg. Oh, well, wait, one more thing back to Cuba. So we are revising our cruise plans and we're still planning to do a cruise, just putting the final touches on the plan. It looks like we're going to do a beautiful fall foliage tour of uh, the New England states and Canada. That's actually a less expensive cruise too. So we'll save a few bucks. We're hoping that one will come through. So look for more coming up on that. And today, of course, we have a 10th episode show. We'll get to that in a minute, but just a couple of uh, more words on uh, St. Petersburg, Russia. So one of the funny things I, I thought, you know, we did a couple of things. We went on a bus tour and then we went on a canal tour. We were on a boat. Well, Two things I want to mention, actually, before we get to the canal tour. Let's first talk about when you brought my passport and Coco, the dog's pet passport, down to the cafe on the cruise ship the day we docked in St. Petersburg. This was a funny scene, folks, and here's what was going on. I didn't think I could take the dog into Russia. I didn't expect to be able to, really. And uh, the cruise line has been so great and so accommodating to my dog. She's kind of the celebrity of the cruise. Uh, all the passengers keep coming up to her, petting her, and just giving her looks and, and everything. It's, it's just great. People take pictures with her and, and all kinds of stuff. But I didn't think she was going to be able to come into Russia. Russia has really strict things. Anyway, the cruise line uh, contacted me a few days before and said, the Russian immigration officials want to meet your dog <laughs> and examine her. I thought it was going to be a veterinarian, but it was no veterinarian. It was these three people sitting in a room, like in one of the cafes here on the cruise ship, Two women, one kind of an older lady, very stern-looking, very Russian-looking, and uh, and she was wearing this uniform with, like, medals on it and, I don't know, badges and chevrons or whatever it was. You know, she was wearing this sort of 
traditional looking Russian uniform. And then another younger woman who was also wearing a totally different type of uniform. And then a man who was just wearing a suit, a younger man. And the younger man seemed to be the guy who was kind of the guy in charge. He was sort of the white collar guy. And the other two were sort of border control, military, pseudo people. And they were so stern. And it was just a weird scene in there. I went in there, I brought the USD paperwork, USDA paperwork for the dog, because they have to clear the dog's health. And I forgot my passport of all things. And the first thing he asked for is, can I see your passport? And so I asked, uh, we called you in the room, and you brought down my passport. And uh, wasn't that just a weird scene in that room? I have no idea what was going on. I mean, it looks suspicious. I, I thought you said the wrong thing i thought here it is <laughs> i lost jason <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna detain me or something and send me to siberia no it, it was just a very odd scene and the funny thing was is on this trip and on all trips i go on you see the way america has just impacted the world everywhere and the funny thing that struck me is when i i walked into that room and you know these three Russian officials are sitting at the table. The ship has like two of their officials also wearing ship uniforms, so they look very official, like guards standing at attention at the door. And then the three Russian officials, what do they have right in front of them on the table? Starbucks cups. You know, they've all got Starbucks cups. And you just see that American culture has just it's just traveled everywhere in the world. And I suppose largely that's because of Hollywood and the music industry, but just the branding and, well, Madison Avenue, you know, many of you listening have, of course, watched the show Mad Men. It's just incredible to me how everywhere you go on the planet, practically, and I've been to now 83, well, 83 countries. We will be in 84 soon. That'll be Serbia. It's incredible. It's just incredible the impact America has had on the world. Absolutely, truly amazing. But anyway, I got the dog cleared to go into Russia. We're on the canal tour, and this tour guide was so funny. He kept talking about how effed up (laughs) Russia is and all the corruption and the graft. And it's surprising that guy could say that and get away with his life, you know. But what was the famous phrase that he kept saying after he would he would tell us how messed up this is, how dysfunctional that is, how corrupt that is, how people would be put in jail, how the KGB would pick them up all the time for no good reason. And he kept saying, Welcome to Russia. (laughs) In his Russian accent. (laughs) It, It was super funny. He would say, yes, these businessmen would get, if their business is doing well, the KGB guys didn't have any money and they would insist on bribes. And if they didn't give them bribes, they would arrest them and put them in jail for like six to eight months. Nobody knew where they were. They would just totally disappear. And he would explain the whole story and he'd say, welcome to Russia. (laughs) Yes, exactly like that. Every five minutes. (laughs) Welcome to Russia. (laughs) But it was absolutely beautiful. We took some great pictures and uh, there's a great picture on our Facebook page and on my Twitter account at Jason Hartman ROI of uh, Coco looking at the Hermitage Museum, the uh, largest museum in the world that would literally take an entire dog's lifetime to look at all the exhibits in the Hermitage. So uh, anyway, check that out. It's a pretty cute picture if I don't say so myself. So without further ado, we're going a little long here. We better get to our 10th episode today. Remember, every 10 episodes, we discuss something of general interest, and today will be no exception So here we go with episode 1230.
Hey, it's my pleasure to welcome Michelle Tillis-Letterman to the show. She is CEO of Executive Essentials and best-selling author of The 11 Laws of Likeability, Relationship Networking, People Do Business with People They Like, and the new book, The Connector's Advantage, Seven Mindsets to Grow Your Influence and Impact. Michelle, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. Good to have you. You're coming to us from New Jersey, right? I am a Jersey girl. So likability, I mean, if this is the secret sauce to life, isn't it? <laughs> I think likability and relationships are the keys to happiness, success, all of the good stuff. Take us through, I like how you've really laid out and made very clear these laws of likability. Take us through some of those. I, I don't think we'll have time to hit all of them, but uh, just highlight them for us if you would. Sure. I break them up into the core, the thread. Number one is the law of authenticity. And then we structures basically what we do before, during, and after a conversation. So the before laws are authenticity, the law of self-image, and the law of perception. So how we see ourselves, how others see us, and the law of energy. And that's kind of getting our head and our mindsets all in the right place. And then we move on to the conversation where we focus on the law of curiosity, which gets our conversations going, the law of listening, which enables us to actually be in that dance of a conversation, the law of similarity, how we find those commonalities and connection points in the conversation, and then the law of mood memory, which is how we ensure that somebody feels good in that exchange with us. Mm -hmm. Mood memory. Can you elaborate on that one? I think the others are, you know, people have a clue as to what you're talking about there. But what is mood memory? Sure. Mood memory is the idea that we will remember more about how someone makes us feel than anything that they said. Mm, so yeah. have you ever been like walking down the street with like a big grin on your face and looking really silly if anybody looked at you mm -hmm. because you were thinking about something or someone? Right. Sure. Yeah. That's the idea of mood memory. And you don't know exactly what, but you just you're got that uh, blank eating grin on mm -hmm. your face. Right, right. So are you're saying that we want to give someone that mood memory in the conversation, right? Yeah, we want somebody How do we to do feel good in, okay. in our exchange. And it could be a lot of different things. It could just be the attention that you're paying somebody. It could be the interest you're showing in them. It could be the similarities that you find, the common interests, the common values, the common experiences. It could be that you asked for advice and made them feel valued and valuable. So a lot of things can contribute to that mood memory. Okay. Any tips, like any specific things we should drop into a conversation or things we should say on any of the topics, but maybe especially mood memory? It isn't about, and I don't believe in scripts. I really right. believe in individual exchanges with one person. And, yeah, it will and, look I, completely and I, when different. I say that, I don't mean a script, but I mean more like talking points, you know, a conceptual framework, you know. I think about the anatomy of a conversation. So we're still kind of in those middle four laws of the book. Mm -hmm. And if I were to kind of lay you out for a conversation that ensures a good close, we start by asking a question that we're really interested in, an open-ended question that gets somebody talking. As we are moving through the conversation, we're listening and probing, probing for more information without interrogating. Mm -hmm. And we're listening and sharing, sharing some of ourselves. So we have to make sure that that opening question is really something that we're comfortable sharing about as well and we're interested in because if we ask something we don't care about, the conversation's not going to go very far. Mm -hmm. Okay. And step three of the anatomy is the extension, the connection. That's when we're looking for those similarities. And that's where connection forms is when we find that aha moment or, oh, you too, you know, I was that or I know that person or whatever the association or common shared experience or value makes us start to feel connected to somebody. And that's the point in the conversation when you're looking for your follow-up, your next point of contact, because the goal of a connector is always to move from conversation to connection. So we don't want the conversation to just be one and done. 
So once you know what that follow-up might be, you're ready to close. And that's where mood memory comes in. We want to think about how do we close a conversation down without making them feel like we're done with you. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, good point. Good point. You know, you might also even take that into the the concept of maybe Seinfeld when they're ending, like leave on a high. And there was even an episode about that. Will they remember the last thing from the conversation? Is, is that one of the points of the mood memory concept? The attention span of people usually is highest at the beginning and highest at the end. Mm -hmm. So if you have this great conversation and then you start to make them feel like, yeah, I'm done with you, then you can really damage mood memory, even mm -hmm. if it's been great. Yeah. So yeah, that close is as key as the entire conversation to ensuring that mood memory is positive. So if you're at a um, party or you know maybe even a aptly labeled networking event, how do you do that? Because that, you know, it does need, you know, seem sort of abrupt sometime of like, oh, I got to get on to talk to the next person. This has been fun. But, you know, how do you do that segue? Any tips There's a that? lot of options. And I actually, in the first book, the likability book, I, I give a whole bunch of ways to close. So here's a few. When we are in one of those networking events, there's typically a bar or food or something. So that's always an exit strategy. You might say, I'm going to get a drink. Would you like one? And that exit or to join. But in that transition, when you're both getting drinks, sometimes that separation happens naturally. Mm -hmm. What also happens as you're transitioning to another location is you can pick up people along the way. This is actually one of my favorite ways to close, which is really to open, to open the circle of conversation to include others, which changes the dynamic. So if I'm having a conversation and we kind of hit our ending point, what I might say is, you know, that person over there looks like they're looking for somebody to talk to. Let's go over there and, and invite them to join us. Mm -hmm. And so now that you've a third person, when they start talking, it might be easier for you to excuse yourself, or you now have a new dynamic to the conversation, you might want to stay engaged. Okay, good, good, good stuff. So connecting, your your latest book is is the connector's book. When you say connecting, are you talking about connecting in terms of networking connecting or connecting one-on-one? -on -one? I guess it's both, right? Uh, just kind of give us the overall premise, if you would. So the book is called The Connector's Advantage. And the idea is that when you are a connector, which is somebody who is relationship focused and driven in the way in which they approach life and business and people and everything, they will get whatever it is they're working on, whether it's a new job, a new sale, a new client, a promotion, happiness, health, all of these things, mm -hmm. you will get that result faster, easier, and better. Mm -hmm. And so that's the advantage. So what I talk about in where I know we're kind of jumping between the two books, the 11 laws of likability are about how connection and how we enable likability and what we do before, during and after the conversation. I always say networking is something you do, but a connector is someone that you are. Mm -hmm. It's a way of thinking and being and interacting. And so there's levels of connector from non-connector to emerging, responsive, acting, all the way up to global super connector. Mm -hmm. And what I want for people to understand is that anybody can infuse these mindsets into their interactions and reap that same reward because those relationships, those connections that we build, and it's not just a one-on-one, -on -one, it's not just in a networking environment. It is the neighbor. It is the person you went to camp with. It's the connections that you really truly have in your life that you can call upon that enables that speed of result. Okay, good, good. So is it connecting other people or takes through the connectors book a little bit? So a connector, as I said, has a certain way of doing things. And there's two levers that we can pull to kind of what I call level up the connector spectrum. One is the initiation versus the responsiveness. So an emerging or responsive connector will connect with people or make a connection for people, but it's usually upon request. 
if we want to be more of an acting connector, we will initiate, we will suggest, hey, you might want to know this person or we might reach out like I just did about 30 minutes ago. I reached out to you on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it's initiating that connection and then extending it. So if you're more in the driver's seat and you're initiating more both the reach out and value adding to those connections that you have, whether it's through making connections or through sharing information or invitations or a lot of other ways that we can add value, then you are moving yourself up. Mm -hmm. The other way that we move up the spectrum is through our breadth and depth of connections. So once we are initiating, we're probably an acting connector. But if we want to be a niche connector or a super connector, we need to have breadth and depth. Somebody who has, do you know somebody who you would say, oh, he or she knows everybody in blank? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. That's the epitome of a niche connector. The person who knows everybody in that field, in that geography, in that function, in that whatever. My sister's one of those. She's a niche connector in the real estate foreclosure market in the state of New Jersey, but she's actually now getting a breath as well. So the depth gives you the niche. The breath gives you the super. So now she's expanded beyond New Jersey. It's still a bit of a niche in terms of her industry, but it's a little bit more of a breadth in terms of geography. So when we are broadening beyond our function, beyond our industry, beyond our hierarchy level, beyond our demographics and geographics, that's what we become a super connector. And if you cross your own country's borders, now you're a global super connector. Mm -hmm. Okay, good, good stuff. So it sounds like the connector is more of a, almost like the context from which uh, a person lives and the likability is more like content in terms of uh, here's how to be more likable. Would that be a, f a fair statement? I like how you made that framework. There's just one tweak I will say. Mm -hmm. sure. We can't make anybody like us. Uh -huh. And that's something I, I think is so important. One of the publishers of that book that made an offer said they wanted to change it to like 50 ways to make somebody like you. And I said, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't make somebody like you. What you can do is enable them to see what is likable about you. Mm -hmm. And with that tweak, I love exactly how you put that framework. Mm -hmm. Okay, good, good. What else do you want people to know? I want people to know what these seven mindsets are because they're probably already doing some of them. And I want to encourage people to recognize what's already working and where they can start to level up, as I say. So uh, any things that you see over and over when you're out there consulting in the world and, and talking about these topics that are sort of the easy wins for people, maybe the low hanging fruit? Yes. Okay. So here's, let me list them out for you. And then I'm going to give you the easy win. So the seven mindsets are that connectors are open and accepting. They have a clear vision. They believe in abundance. They trust. They're social and curious. They're conscientious and they have a generous spirit. And a lot of these things are already kind of in our mindset, but having a clear vision is a really good low hanging fruit for people mm -hmm. because the only way to get the advantage is to actually have clarity of what you're working on. I always say if there's one thing that your listeners do after this call to infuse the mindset of a connector a little bit more into their interactions, it's to have a question that they always ask. And it, any of these, it could be, how can I help you? What are you working on? Who would you like to meet right now? What are you excited about? Any kind of question like that, that enables you to start to figure out how you might be a value of service or assistance to this person you're speaking to. I'm glad you brought that up. I'd like you to almost take that from the flip side. When you are interacting with someone who follows these principles, and there are some really great people out there doing all of this stuff. I can't say I'm one of them <laughs> all the time, but I try. But when someone asks you that question, you know, how can I help you? 
And I feel like it's very hard for me to answer that question. I'd like to actually take them up on it. And I, I sort of don't know what to ask for or how to, you know, how to let them help me uh, sometimes because, uh, I don't know, just have so much going on. There are so many things. It's, it's sort of hard to distill something. It's almost beneficial to be sort of ready and, and think about that, isn't it? That's exactly, you read my mind, because that's why I said this is such low-hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. Because if you infuse that question into your interactions, you're going to get that question back. Mm -hmm. And when you have a clear vision, you'll be ready for that question. And so that's what I want everybody. It doesn't have to be your 10-year plan, your five-year plan, or even mm -hmm. your one-year plan. Right. It could just be, what are you focused on right now? Mm -hmm. And so I encourage everybody to think about just one thing. Don't worry about, oh, oh my God, you're willing to help me. What big thing can I ask? Right. It doesn't have to be big. It could be, you know, hey, I'm going on vacation, you know, next week. What would be great is if you have any restaurants you like in that area. Mm -hmm. Like it, it could be small. Remember, we're just trying to stay connected, but it's something that's important to you right then. Mm -hmm. Right now, I, I mean, there's a lot of things that I want to accomplish in my life. I mean, there's a lot of things that you want to accomplish. Just pick one and mm -hmm. have that be your focus at that time. So right now, my focus is the connector's advantage and and sharing the message and, and spreading the word about how important this is for people and that mm -hmm. it matters. And that's it. Yeah, right? definitely. So if somebody says, what are you working on or how can I help you? I'm like, help me spread the word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> In one of the books you talk about uh, using technology, you know, we're all inundated by social media nowadays. And uh, certainly it's a great tool, but it can also be a, a very unproductive time waster. Uh, <laughs> any suggestions for using technology to sort of increase one's ability to uh, connect? Absolutely. I am a little technophobe, but not compared to most people. Like I'm one of those middle of the road adopters. So my feeling is don't overdo it in terms of being on every social media platform out there. Think about where the people you want to connect with are and pick one to three platforms. I must admit I'm probably on four, but the fourth is only because I want to see what my son's doing on Instagram. <laughs> I love LinkedIn. That's my platform of choice. Mm -hmm. People who are in industries and professions or hobbies that are more visual, they might be on Pinterest or Instagram. So you really want to think about which is the one you enjoy being on, which is the one where the people you want to connect with are, mm -hmm. and be active and be present in just that one or two or three, but no more. You, it just starts to become, as you said, a time waster. Mm -hmm. I think when we connect online, the goal is to bring it offline. And when we connect offline, we can extend and strengthen that connection by connecting online. So the more channels that we connect over, the more we are rooted in that connection. And the more ways that we have to stay in somebody's mind without getting in their face. Mm -hmm. Any specifics on how to use the platform? Uh, you know, I don't use LinkedIn very much. You really like LinkedIn. I personally, as much as I hate them philosophically for all their abuses of our privacy and such, but I like the Facebook software the best. I like that platform. I just think it's very well organized. But if you're, you know, if you're business to consumer, Facebook is better. LinkedIn is more B2B, right? You know, any specific things you do on any given platform to use it more effectively? One of the things that we're doing on the platform is looking for our connection points. So when I went on and I connected to you on LinkedIn, I looked at who we had in common and I look for outliers. Like, how would they know that person? You mm -hmm. know, sometimes it's very, oh, I know why they know that person. I know it. Then it, it enables a conversation. And so when I connect to you, I might put a note saying, how do you know so-and-so? I went to camp with them or I went to grammar school with them. And so it creates that law of association. It creates that connection. On Facebook, it doesn't matter which platform it is. 
Liking something or putting a comment shows engagement. And what happens when you want to build relationship with somebody, when your name pops up in their social media, whichever the platform is, you become familiar. And then we start to build trust and that familiarity gives us that idea that we know somebody. I actually was in the city today doing a video cast with somebody who I've known for probably five years and I'd never met her in person. We've only connected online. She heard me on a podcast. She asked me to be a guest. We've Skyped, we've video chatted. It's all been virtual. Mm -hmm. So you can really build relationships through all of this technology. So what I would tell you, and I'll focus on LinkedIn a little bit because that's where I spend a lot of my time, is when you reach out to somebody, reach out with a specific note. Here's how I saw you. Here's how I found you. I heard you on Jason's podcast and love this message and would love to connect. You'll get an email back from me. Mm -hmm. If you do it on the app, be careful because on the app, you can't put a note. So then later you might want to send a message along with it because I've gotten caught by that one myself. Mm -hmm. And LinkedIn has to fix that. But the the personalization of however you are reaching out to somebody and letting them know why goes a long way. And then when they accept, extend the conversation. Don't just be like, okay, now we're connected online. Your goal is to build relationship. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, wrap it up for us. And please give out your website and tell the listeners where they can find out more. Yes. The best way to find me is at my website, Michelle, with two L's, Tillis, T-I-L-L-I-S, Letterman, L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. From there, you can get to my YouTube channel. I've got success shorty videos with lots of tips and tricks that are about a minute long each. Uh, you can find my blog. You can find my LinkedIn. You can find my professional Facebook page. And that's another thing about social media, personal and professional. Sometimes we have separate accounts. And just tell me where you found me. I would love to connect with you. Excellent. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, HartmanMedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own. And if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional. And we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.